I am Oki. And I'm Caddy. And this is Books, Cats, and Snacks. Super and, Snacks. And Drink. <laughs> Since I'm like over here just throwing back this Thai tea that's absolutely delicious because I made it. No, I'm just kidding. It's pretty good though. Super oh. sweet, super yummy, delicious Thai tea. It's like a, what is it? Just a creamy milk tea essentially. Pretty much, yeah. But it's so good. Mm-hmm. Ours is typically sweeter than our recipe. I'm sure if you guys go anywhere, it's going to be just as good, so... So welcome to our discussion welcome for back. Next Year in Havana by mm-hmm. Chanel Clayton. So this was our book for to read in May mm-hmm. to discuss in June. This was a caddy's pick. Mm-hmm. How did you get into this book? How did you come upon this book? This was a fun read. Yeah, I was at the grocery store mad about Chris not grabbing a damn grocery basket. I having to wait on him. <laughs> so I'm in the line and I'm just like. <sighs> and so I look over and I see the book and I was like, oh, it's pretty. Like, if you see the cover, it's a girl in a pretty 50s dress. And I was like, oh, okay. So I started reading it. And I was like, oh my God, this is this is great. I love this. I mean, just the grandmother-granddaughter relationship during this and learning about Cuba, because I really don't know a yeah. lot about Cuba. I think a lot of us don't, unless you're from Cuba or you've been to Cuba yourself. I don't know. I just kind of broadened my horizons in a bit. Kind of I'm glad you picked it. Yeah. It was different, because I don't really read a lot of historical fiction. Mm-mm. And this was definitely a historical fiction. And, and it's it, also romance too, which yeah. I was like, wasn't ex- I wasn't expecting as much romance in this, but I was like, you know what? I, I mean, it goes with the I'll story. I'll bite. Yeah. yeah. But before we go into it, and before we go into the cat story, I want to say that I kind of messed up on our scheduling and timeline from the last episode. Uh-huh. So last episode was a check-in because we were reading next year in Havana. Mm-hmm. And we were absent for a few weeks. We updated you guys what was happening with my mother and everything. We kind of got the schedules all mixed up. And the last episode I said, oh, next week we'll talk about a book shout out. And then the week after that, we'll do next year in Havana. Actually, just totally forget about the book shout out (laughs) because I just calculated everything wrong. It was the most difficult month I've ever had to face, I would say. Mm -hmm. And but we're back on track. I would, you know, now starting with this discussion. We're going to get back in shape for you guys. Sure. Book, book like, not book real. Wise. <laughs> book, book wise. It's not like we're trying to do like a summer body oh, or anything. Oh God, no. That, this body's done, ha- it's going to need a few summers <laughs> to get into shape. Yeah, I'd rather just read yeah, in, well, indoors. I'm, I'm just going to read indoors and we're think f- about it. We're from Houston, so we like being indoors. It's Because it's hot. so hot. <laughs> it's hot. Jesus Christ, is it hot? Because there's different degrees of hot in Houston, all right? You have like, you're like, oh Jesus, it's hot. Then you have like, oh, oh, dear God. And then you have like, oh, holy hell, why did I leave my house hot? <laughs> exactly. All right. Those are the different degrees. Like the first one is the May and June situation. Second one's the June, July. And then you have your dead. Why do I go outside? I hate myself. I must hate myself in August. And right now we've got the I hate myself in August weather at the end of what? May end of beginning May. Of June. And we're right. like, Jesus, it's not supposed to be 98 yet. This isn't until August. So I'm completely thrown off. And we'll get to the hundreds eventually. Oh, we'll get to the hundreds eventually. It's going to be like in the middle of July and everyone's going to be like... <laughs> Which, you know, nobody wants to go anywhere anyways because gas is so freaking expensive. So I'm like, yeah, you know what? I'll do. We'll stay indoors. I'm happy to do it. <laughs> and read our book. And my cats will love it. Well, let's get to those cats, guys. <laughs> those cats. we got to do our cat story before we uh, <laughs> oh, discuss the book. All right. So this is an Oreo Chronicle today. Oreo is the diva, the queen 
of my house, of course. A friend of mine actually got a, she got a new kitten and she rescued a kitten. His name is Dante. He's super cute. Just tiny little thing. He's so cute. I was going to meet up with Leah and I haven't seen her in a while. And I was like, hey, you know what? I have a lot of things in my house that Oreo, being a diva, never used. I have like a bed, a scratcher, Uh a pet carrier. You know, I have food. Like we get, we get our Chewy box and there was a a like damn near a whole case of food that she never touched. She's like, "Mm, I don't do that. And I'm like, girl. (laughs) <laughs> so I had that hanging out. I was like, man, I'm just going to take it all and give it to Leah for Dante. I come over and she's like, are you kidding me? I'm like, I'm, I'm not joking. So she has like freak cat bed that Oreo smelled and never went in. <laughs> There's a scratcher that she scratched once and never touched it again. There was a cat carrier. She's a little too chunky for that cat carrier. So um, I have to give it away. <laughs> she didn't fit in it. So I had to get her a new one because, you know, Oreo's a little Aww. extra. She's, She's a little double stuff. A little stuff right. double stuff. She's yeah. a little double stuff right now. I gave it to Leah. Leah was so excited. She was like, oh my God, thank you. And, you know, she's sending me pictures daily of Dante, you know, and his the carrier eating, Aww. playing with his little stuff. So. That's my cat story within a cat we story. We need to put Dante on Instagram yes, at one point. Yes, he's adorable. He's so cute. He's so tiny. His little baby neck. I don't even know if they have collars outside. He's so tiny. Aww. But I know they're like milk feeding him and stuff because he was t- like he was on someone's like, literally she said she was coming home from work and he was outside on the neighbor's patio and he's just meowing. Just so oh, loud meowing. Thing. So I don't know like if maybe mom and cat left or maybe he got left behind. I don't know. Cause it was just a tiny little stray cat and she said he came in he was eating like he's never eaten before and i was just like oh dear god why do you tell me these things like i want to hear these stories and then i don't want to because it just tugs my heartstrings right like, oh. so dante is rescued now he's staying with a friend of mine so it's you know he's great he's living it up he's in cat heaven right now <laughs> so kitty cat heaven you get a little bit of oreo and you get a little bit of dante today, today. so nice yeah. well let's get into this pick of yours the Book by Chanel Clayton, mm-hmm. but I want to talk a little bit about the author. Okay. She's crazy, like, smart. Mm-hmm. She's originally from Florida. It says here that she grew up on stories of her family's exodus from Cuba following the events of the Cuban Revolution. Mm-hmm. She grew up in England, got her bachelor's degree. She also got her master's degree in global politics. And then she even has her doctorate at the University of South Carolina School of Law. Like, what? You did yeah, all that, and you're also that. an author. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize that this book, Next Year in Havana, is actually part of a series. There are four books. Four this books. is the first one. The next one is When We Left Cuba, The Last Train to Key West. And then the last book of the series is called The Most Beautiful Girl in Cuba. If you guys read this book already, you would know that there are four sisters, Four right? sisters, yes. So I figured maybe each book each is from sister. point of view. Maybe? I kind of read into one of them. One of them is based in 1933. So I want to say it's like one of their grandmothers uh, but, or one of their mother, uh, maybe their mom. Okay. I want to say like it goes deeper than that. So Okay. Caddy's going to read the, about the book first. About so. the book. Here we what, go. This what is what captivated her in. me. Yeah. After the death of her beloved grandmother, a Cuban-American woman travels to Havana where she discovers the roots of her identity and unearths a family secret hidden since the revolution. So it, it goes back and forth from Havana 1958 from Grandma um, Elisa Perez's point of view and then goes into the other uh, point of view from Marisol Ferreira, who was in 2017. Chapter one, it's Elisa, Havana, 1959. How long will we be gone? My sister Maria asks. So I think what you should do, honestly, before we get deep into this book, Mm -hmm. especially about Cuba, which we're not going to be talking politics Mm -mm. 
on this episode or anything, but we are going to insert a little bit of it because of the book itself. Because it, it carries a book. There's reasons why this goes in the yeah. book. Yeah. Like, I feel like there are two different main characters. One mm-hmm. main character is Cuba by itself, mm-hmm. and the other main character is actually the Perez family. Yeah. Because even though we follow Elisa mm-hmm. and we follow Marisol, we also get to know the rest of the family. Mm-hmm. So I think you should tell... I think you should talk a little bit about the Perez family. Okay. Because so that, the, that has a lot to do with the characters. So it starts off in 1958 in Havana, Cuba. We are introduced to the Perez family. The Perez family, they're a really affluent family, like debutante society, elite mm-hmm. family in Cuba, in Havana. They're sugar barons, pretty much. This comes from, a, from sugar money. It's a long line of it. And if you guys have ever read into the history of sugar plantations in cuba it's 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 pretty much on the backbone of slave labor oh okay it's on the backbone of you know pretty much workers not being treated correctly you're profiting off the strains of others pretty much so that's why they were always targeted in this book because of that reason right so the perez family they come from a long line of sugar so you have the Perez family have mama mama perez you have daddy perez and you have the sisters. There's four sisters, and it's Isabella. Isabella, who's the first sister. Right. She, the older. She's the oldest. the oldest sister at 23. She's the oldest sister. And it's a big deal. And the reason why we know their age is because the mom is trying so hard to get these girls married. <laughs> you have Beatriz, who is the second oldest. She is 21. She's the feisty, the she's fiery. She's rebel. The yeah. rebel. She's beautiful. She's the beauty of the family, is Beatriz. Then you have third in line, which is Elisa, Elisa, who is our main character here. Elisa is 19. She's at that age where she she knows what's expected of her, but at the same time, she's wondering what else is there. There's got to be something else. Right. And I feel like she's also focusing on the fact that she's She's older and mm-hmm. younger at the same time yeah, because she's, she's looking at her older sisters and what they're wanting to do, or mm-hmm. especially her oldest sister who wants to be who's who wants to be married, yeah, and has somebody in mind to be married, mm-hmm. and then she still has a younger sister that Maria, 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 who she's like thirteen, right? So Elisa mm-hmm. is still like, well, I'm the younger one, kind of, mm-hmm. but I I do have a younger sister too. Mm-hmm. She's on that cusp of, all right, which way being a Right. A, I'm still innocent, but I'm becoming become a woman. A woman yeah. yeah. What is it? What is it? Um, I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. So that Britney Spears song, I don't know how that I got into this book, but think, that's what I'm thinking in my head when you talk about right. it. Right. Okay. Can we convince Britney to listen to our podcast? So maybe, you know. I don't you know. know. <laughs> I don't know if we can play that out. No, no. I it's mean, we can dream, right? Yeah. <laughs> we learn a little bit later in the book about, I think halfway through the book, we learn that... There's a brother, guys. There's a right. brother. Actually, <laughs> um, actually, Caddy, uh-huh. we didn't know that the brother existed to page at least like sixty-five pages in. Okay, okay, okay. it's not not, as, not quite exactly half, half there. But, but he, he just came out of nowhere. He did. I was like, "What, Alejandro? Who's that?" I thought it was like one of their boyfriends, but no, it's her brother. And it's not <laughs> only the brother. Like in the line, he is Beatriz's twin brother. Right. So at the very beginning, when we read that they're leaving Cuba, yeah. they're at the airport. The very first chapter is them defecting Cuba. Right, they're going to Florida. Yeah. And one beautiful thing that this author does and that she does so well is she is so good at imagery. You feel, yes. you can picture it. You can picture what they're wearing. You can picture what everything looks like around you. And how they feel. You, how they feel, all the emotions that are running through their body. She is really good at that, guys. And it's really, and it's a lot of fun in your head trying to like 
picture, not really? this necessarily this part, but further along the line, like them dressing their ball gowns, going mm-hmm. to a party. You can hear that kind of like slow salsa music. It's really neat how she does this. And especially that first chapter is intense. It's going to grab you immediately. I like that writing to where she, not only the imagery part, mm-hmm. like she's able to convince you that the two younger sisters are still young and the yeah. way they speak. They're teenagers. And they're, yeah. the two older sisters are a little bit more mature. So her writing kind of reflects on that. But once again, like you're saying that first chapter really grabs you, but yet we find out later there's a brother involved and you're just like, what? <laughs> what the hell? How did that come up? Okay. This story is very much a soap. I feel like it's a, it's a telenovela. It's a, it's a, it's a soap opera. Like it, it kind of... The way yeah. it goes. I, f- I have soap opera vibes from it. You I think, think it's so? just, maybe because I'm just, it's Latin and I'm Latin and that's just how I read it. <laughs> With this book, I'm half and half. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, a, I'm not all in exactly, but yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm a little bit more than you are. For sure. I really enjoy reading about Cuba, the beauty. I really enjoyed reading about the history and the anguish and the anxiety. You could really feel the love for Cuba and the writing style. Oh, yeah. You can tell that this author, her heart is there too. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think the country itself is one of the main characters yeah. in this book. And I really like books like that in general anyway. And it's interesting how how each character views Cuba because, mm-hmm. you know, with Elisa and her love... Because they're leaving, right? They're, they're escaping she, pretty much. She's very much on the fence about it. Like, she's not ready to be a revolutionary. Yeah. But yet she still has that love deep down. Like, this is my home and it must be right. defended. But she's also, like, confused. Like, why are we acting like this? Mm-hmm. Don't you guys love this place as much as I do? Like, mm-hmm. why do we need to do this? And you have to consider the fact that it's 1958. Mm-hmm. So the role of women versus men yeah. is pretty prominent in this book, oh, too. Yeah. It was like that pretty much everywhere, I want to say. It was even like that here in the States. I mean, 1958 here, everybody was dressed like June Cleaver. You know, oh, all true. the moms were at home. Like, it, it was just that time. It was whether right. it was here, whether it was there. If you were a woman, you were made to be, you were meant to be a wife, you were meant to be a mother, and that's what you did. Right. And you enjoyed it because that's what you're, the following of your role. And she's at that mm-hmm. age where she's like, maybe I want more. So there's a part in the book that I really, really liked of the author's description of Havana. Mm-hmm. This is at the very beginning of the book. So while we're getting pulled into the beauty of Cuba, the beauty of Havana, yet in the meantime, going through his revolution, mm-hmm. um, the author added in, Havana is like a woman who was grand once and has fallen on hard times, and yet hints of her former brilliance remain, traces of an era since past, a photograph faded by time and circumstance. It's edges crumbling to dust. And I thought that was that a really was nice. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah. So it's almost like a main premise to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And what I was saying earlier that I'm not so sold into it is I felt like the author wanted to write about the beauty of Cuba, of Havana. She wanted to write about what happened with the revolution with different mm-hmm. leaders, with Fidel, with Shay. I feel like she wanted to pretty much pretty much inform us of all this and the beauty of all this. But then she added in little like a little story to where it just kinda wants to move you along. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't sure if the characters that she added in were that convincing. If you just wrote a book and told me the amazing ways, lives of Cubans, things like that, I think I would have really enjoyed it. But mm-hmm. then that would have been just a kind of a history book. Mm-hmm. It would have been a nonfiction, I guess. But this is a historical fiction. So I I like some characters, but I'm not... A lot of 
a lot of these characters are just kind of very surfacey to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe the more we talk about this, yeah. I'll enjoy it more. We'll see it. We'll see Because this happens to us a lot. Caddy and I sometimes would be like, eh, we're okay with the book. And then we talk more about it. We're like, we love this book. Yeah, we. I tell her about it. Because she points out things, I point out things. And then we kind of just end up, we end up where we right. are. Because ultimately, it, you know, we're just two chicks reading books. <laughs> reading you know, a book. Typically, we pick one character that we really yeah. enjoy reading about, and uh-huh. we're usually the opposite. Which one is the one that you really stick to with? Oh, Beatrice, of course. <laughs> and I think you stuck with her too. I think this is probably the first time that me and you actually stuck with a character. No, no, no. You stuck with Caridad and Christine and Cristina because uh-huh. of their like yeah. real. Honestly, I think why they they stuck with you or with me so much is because we can always picture someone that's like that. Right. We can picture someone who's not optimistic, someone who's afraid of change, afraid of different people. Like, we know a person that's like that. I think that's why it sticks so closely, because I know a woman who will side-eye me like that because I'm American (laughs) in my my motherland. You know what I mean? We And even you, like, when you go back to your motherland, like, you know that lady will side-eye you because you got American. Yeah, Yeah. so I think that's why those care, because we know someone like that. Do I know someone that's a revolutionary? I do not. (laughs) I do not. But I know a woman who gives me side-eye and... You know, right. they thinks things of me. I'm bougie because we're from America. You know what I mean? <laughs> so those two really, I was like, yep. Mm-hmm. I think about it in my head. Mind you, these characters we're talking about, Caddy with Beatrice. Beatrice. And, and Caridad and Christina for me, they're not the main characters they're at not, all. <laughs> they're not the main they're, characters. These are like the supporting characters that we really, really enjoy. And for mine, they're barely there. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, so let's... Let's do this. I'm going to talk about the the journey of Marisol. Okay. Which is the more modern young girl. Okay. And you talk more about the journey of Elisa. Okay. And the I think book... You, I think you vibed more with that one. I felt more with Elisa, I think. I think, I, I don't know. But this, the silly thing is, I don't like Marisol at all. <laughs> you don't like her? So... Let's get into I this. I thought her character was very surfacey. I thought, like, I think she was just there just to be there. Like, I thought Louise, who was her love interest in the book, had more depth than she did. I th- Mind you, <laughs> by the way, we have to talk a little bit about spoiler alert. Okay? Yeah. Oh. We normally do a disclaimer, but Sorry, we did this we did. time. Sorry. Why did we do? I mean, do we need to do a spoiler alert? We're talking about the whole book. You guys know Let's us by do. now. We're going to spill some tea, literally, because we're drinking it. We're going to spill, <laughs> throw it up in the air. Again, you guys are going to know some tea will be shed during this. Some drink, whatever. Okay, so, so we're going to talk right. about everything. I'm the one with Marisol, so I'm going to go with this one. You right? go for it. So Marisol is a young, conveniently, she works for a travel magazine. She could not get over that, guys, by the way. She could like, not. Everything, everything that any character comes into play in this book like when we get introduced from it's just so convenient when you say that that's why i feel like it's soap opera vibes like of course of course this would happen of course this would happen of course course there's sugar barons of course there's sugar barons of course (laughs) of course we're gonna read about this falls in love in a week in in havana cuba you know that's how it works okay so marisol she works for this travel magazine and it's just you know, she's the the granddaughter. She's like the girl in this super rich sugar bear. They're like, I have a private plane rich, y'all. That's yeah. how they are. Yeah. So she, her grandmother had passed. Elisa had passed, yes. Right. Because we're in a modern timeline at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has her grandmother's ashes. And she's very, very... Her and, grandmother pretty much raised her. Right. Yeah. 
And she goes to Havana because her grandmother had asked her to spread her ashes. Her grandmother didn't tell her where. Mm-hmm. And for Marisol to kind of figure out, like, feel it. Like, feel the room. Feel the country. Mm-hmm. So Marisol goes to Havana. Mm-hmm. And when Elisa had left um, Cuba when she was 19 years old. She left Cuba at 19 in 1958. Right. Yeah. Um, she had a best friend who lived next door to Anna. their mansion. Like yeah. Anna. Well, Anna was a fellow mansioner. Yeah. So, like, it's because of the Miramar, like their city, their town. Mm-hmm. Like, you're from Miramar because you got money. Like, that's where the gotcha. mansions are. That's where the money is. Anna, who obviously is still alive, so she goes. Marisol goes and stays with Anna mm-hmm. because that you know that was her best friend, Elisa, and Anna were best friends. Mm-hmm. Which is one thing I was never convinced that they were best friends. I, yes. I felt it. I did feel it. I did not. When you guys read the book, or I'm sure, uh, or you read it at this point, you know, Elisa talks a lot about like her family and how how they have to leave Cuba and all these like, political things happening, and then her love life and little inserts of her best friend. And when fast forward to the to the current time, Marisol stays with Anna. Anna's is like, we were best friends. We we were like. I, I was like, no, you weren't. You guys barely <laughs> liked each other. Let's be real. I thought she okay. did. I mean, come on. They like, I I felt it. Okay. Maybe not. She didn't talk about it a lot, but like they went through some things together. Like remember when they got shot at at the coffee shop? I guess. They got shot at the coffee <laughs> shop. Guess. She left her, the, her like her little box of letters. She left it to Anna. Anna was going to be the one that's right. going to bury it for her. And it's like, hey, your grandmother, Lisa, mm-hmm. had buried this box Mm -hmm. in a backyard and I'm here to give it to you. Mm -hmm. And Marisol's like, oh, interesting. I'm going to read the letters. And I'm like, really? You never never looked at it, Anna, ever? Because I wasn't convinced that we're like the best of friends. (laughs) And all these years, what, 30 years? You are just nosy. You are nosy. Maybe. You would have looked at my letters. You would have looked at them. And then, oh, I'm sorry. Before we get there, Marisol is picked up by Anna's Grandson. Grand, no, grandson, yes. Grandson, yeah. Because Caridad is her daughter. Caridad is yeah. Anna's daughter, and that's Luis is her grandson. So Marisol's picked up by this super hot guy. Oh, yeah, he's Louis. beautiful Cuban man. And he's, like, been tasked to kind of show Marisol around during the few oh, days such that a, she's such there. Such a drag. <laughs> right. And guess what? He's conveniently a history professor. So he knows the history of Cuba. Look. I love reading the history of Cuba. I loved it. I love reading everything about it. I really enjoyed it. I was really intrigued. Mm-hmm. But it was just so convenient that he was a history <laughs> professor. And they kind of, they're kind of attracted to each other. Mm-hmm. He has a... Uh, I mean, she's on vacation time, you know? <laughs> he has... But, you know, her staying with Anna, mm-hmm. she has a daughter. The daughter Daddy has... Dad. Right. Who I love, Cara Dad, yeah, even though Daddy she's Dad. there for about 10 pages throughout yeah. the book. She's such a strong force. That's right. like every Latin mom. And her son is Louis, the, the history professor. He has an ex-wife. Christina. Christina, who all, they all live in the same house together. The reason for that is because the housing shortage in Cuba is so drastic and it's right. so drastic that a lot of people can't find housing. Right. So that's people kind of just live like live clustered together and stuck together. Purely out of convenience. Although it's not the best of situations, that's why she's there. But see, that's what I like about the books also. Mm-hmm. Even though you feel like the love for Cuba, it's almost like reading a tourism yeah. <laughs> book. But the author also includes like the hardship. Oh, of she, course. She includes all of it. She right. shows you every side. She doesn't, she's 
unapologetically honest when it comes to it. Which is nice. Which yeah. was a good read which, for which, that. Which, you know, you want to know that. Because they talk about it later on, like the, you, like, right. uh, what's her face? Um, Magda's apartment. Oh, yeah. yeah. The nanny's the apartment. Nanny. So, with Louis driving Marisol around, she's trying to figure out... In his classic car. <laughs> <laughs> You know, she's trying to figure out, you know, what her family did or the history of her family, mm-hmm. trying to figure out where to where to scatter the ashes and things mm-hmm. like that. They become attracted to each other. And I'm just going to stop here because I feel like you need to start talking about Elisa a little bit so we can <laughs> okay. be almost at the same point. Okay. All right. So um, it opens up Elisa, 1958, in Havana, Cuba. She lives with her family in their grand mansion. She has a best friend next door named Anna. Sure. Quote, uh-huh. Yes, to Oki, quote-unquote, best friend next door. Right. I and think at one point, near toward the beginning, she even said, like, uh, you know, like, my best friend Anna, but I don't really care about her that much. <laughs> like, I think she said that. I, I think, I think she down. did. I think I remember she going through all the motion, like, going through all, like, the turmoil that they did go through together, and then just all the craziness around them kind of brought them closer together. You know what I mean? Because they are kind of around the same age. So I think that's what, you kind of live the same way I live. There's a commodity of sense, and I think that's what heightened it. No, that's okay. what, I don't know. I don't know. That's, that's my take on that. Right. I love how it starts off, because it's just so cute like they're teenagers it's still not the revolution still hasn't happened quite yet so they're still living it up pretty much so her and her sisters are decked out in their 1950s ball gowns they're on their way to a party right. but it's but since of a friend and of a friend of a friend, friend. <laughs> and they tell you like a friend of a friend of a friend of a friend named Guillermo <laughs> and that's his party which I love it because who wouldn't what party haven't we been that does that because they are like the the sugar baron's daughters especially around that time there's also a sense of there's a sense of family that you you don't speak out with your family everything is about your family and also your reputation is very important because of how you're viewed by everyone else in the city country whatever reflects on your family so if you are a pretty rich girl in the nice part of town you don't go slumming anywhere and that's why at 23 21 19 and 13 they have a nanny they have a lady who looks over them she's the one that walks with them through town because being seen as a woman walking through town is, I guess, considered to be, like, a loose woman. Like, you don't do that. They have their nanny named Magda, and so they're trying to sneak out of the house because it's, like, late. They can't be out. I pass, like, 9 o'clock, and they're showing their ankles. And so so they're trying to, like, creep out the house, and, like, one of them starts the car, like, down the street, and they're all trying to, like, get out, but they're all wearing heels. So it's, like, clicky-clacking out the house. And then, like, one of the sisters is like, I don't give a damn. And then one of the sisters is like, shh. I like to go see my boyfriend. You get to see their personality, it's which so is nice. It's so cute. And it's like, and it's a real sweet little image of them like sneaking out of the house and they have to like tell their little sister to go to, because their little sister is always like telling on them. So they have to like pay her. Like they gave her like earrings, shoes, like smart girl <laughs> dresses. They've given her so much stuff just to keep her quiet. And so they're like, we got to get out of here with a little narc. They get in the car, they go to this party. Just picture it, you know, like big ballroom sort of situation, 1950s. There's probably smoking because there's cigars right. hella everywhere. There's alcohol, you know cute dresses, cute, pretty tan men, you know, all the whole thing. And she's standing, looking at the party. She sees this really handsome man across the way. Legit. Sees a pretty handsome man across the way. <laughs> and he comes over to talks to her, and we are introduced to Pablo. Right. Pablo, we don't really know too, too much about Pablo. He's very mysterious. He's a 30-year-old lawyer, and I was kind of weirded out by the fact that she's 19 and he's 30. That really threw me for a loop. I was like... She's too young for you, bro. But I guess it's the romanticism of the time. But it's another convenient thing. Convenient thing. Like, it right. just so happens. Well, it's a soap opera. It's love at first sight. Like she's and she's never really been in a heavy duty relationship. It's very surfacey, very like calling cards, 
you kind of meet with them with your chaperone sort of situation. She's never, I don't think she's ever really been alone with a man before until that night when she was at the party with Pablo. And there comes a point where he like fixes the back of her dress and she talks about like losing her, like, oh, (laughs) he touched my neck. And there, you know, and then now she's like, you can't be seen this way. Oh, they think she's like clutching her pearls and she's just instantly attracted to this man and they talk about revolution he's a diehard and she's not and she's just he's infatuated with her because she's something that he's never seen before she's a rich girl from that side of the tracks he's a poor boy from a poor family insert song this is very romeo and juliet it that's is. what i kept it thinking is. it really is because who her father is and who her family is are very known the perez family is very well known and he can tell who she is by her shoes he talks about it by her right. shoes. He knows that this is not the girl that's from around here. Like she's obviously like she's the uptown girl. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm gonna stop with all these songs in this, in this <laughs> thing. Okay, you know they meet. They discuss that they're gonna go out together the next day. They go out. They have a date. And in the meantime, when this whole relationship is going down, you can kind of see like the turns of the revolution kind of mm-hmm. happening little by little. They talk a lot about Batista. Batista and his radical reign. During this, not only in her life is kind of, like the moment she meets him is where her life kind of flips upside down. Right. Because when this starts to happen, that's when like the shootings in the street happen and she has to duck and she's never had to do that before. The fact that she has to like watch herself when she goes out in the streets now, she never used to have to do that before. Like she was always taken care of. Meeting Pablo, she's feeling all these conflicted feelings of like i shouldn't love this guy he's completely wrong for me he's on that side he's trying to pretty much overthrow everything that my family court right. believes pretty much in. all his political views, views are, are against are against her dad's her dad's her, family, her yeah. family and one thing that you know you don't go against your family pablo doesn't once he decided to become a revolutionary his family pretty much disowned him they're like you're not my i think they disowned him, like you're not my son sort of situation so he was like all right so it's when he meets her, she's his family. Like, he falls in love with her. Right. Because she's this sweet... And it's really sweet in there. He's like, in all of my life, there's nothing been turmoil, but you are, like, my one bit of happiness. You're my family. You know, and who wouldn't fall for a man who says that? So I think part of this book, though, because there's so much turmoil politically, that she adds in a love story, like a romance, even though there were times that kind of rolled my eyes. Because <laughs> I'm like, really? You guys fell in love already? But yeah. sure. But... It's nice to see, like, little beauties come out of it. Mm -hmm. And I think part of Elisa's thing with him is that the brother, because their brother, Alejandro, is is similar. Yeah, Yeah, he's similar to Pablo. Pablo, Kind of, they don't know each other, but I think they, like, know of each other. Like, they run in circles. And um, And her family, her dad, had totally disowned Alejandro. Disowned Alejandro. He was fighting against everything that they believed in. While this romance is going on, you... You also see that Beatriz is actually aiding Alejandro. That's her twin. That's her love. Right. Like that's her. That's her closest thing. She's actually aiding him. So you'll see her periodically like take money from the dad to give to Alejandro. You'll see them give food, and all of the servants, like the gardeners, the maids, they all are in it. So they know when to tell her when to go where. So she pays them a little bit to keep them quiet. You know, right. Alejandro's kind of coming around, and he's the one that actually tells Marisol, so, like this guy is really dangerous, and you should stay away from Pablo. And she's, you know, and. She's actually like, you've never given me this kind of brotherly advice before. And he's like, stay away from this guy. There's only heartbreak to be seen. It's interesting at this point, though, like she grew up with her father being the patriarch of the family. Right. Yes. With with all this money Mm -hmm. and his political views. And Mm -hmm. he supports Batista. And then now she has Pablo to consider. Mm -hmm. And then to coincide with that has her brother, Alejandro, warning 
mm-hmm. her about Pablo. So very Romeo and Juliet yeah. Oh, yeah, almost. very much so. Very much you so. Know. It kind of feels like that too with Marisol and Luis, I think, a little bit. Not not as much. It's just right. kind of more of like a unrealistic relationship. They, they've been dating. They've been seeing each other and... Writing letters. Writing letters to each other. That's because where the letters come from. it's forbidden. It's forbidden for them to be together. <laughs> so she literally has to like hide and change. She's like reading the letter to read the letters from him because he's always in and out. Like he's in town. He's not in town doing his thing. His revolutionary thing. There comes a time where he actually gets caught. He is put in prison right. for speaking out against the regime. So now she has to deal with him being in prison and she's feeling a hurt that she's never felt before. Like she's on edge. For two seconds, she thought that he was, that like he left her pretty much. Like, oh, right. well, then this is it. You know, like we wrote our letters, that's it. But then I think it's her brother that tells her like, hey, he's in prison. So I guess I'll drop it then because then it starts to get juicy after that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly... There's really not much with how Marisol and Luis, the modern time, because I feel like the majority of the read on them until the crazy thing that happens near toward the end, Mm -hmm. it's just them being a tour guide to Cuba. Oh, Uh, yeah. I'll keep going then. All right, so he gets thrown in prison. Elisa's at her wit's end. So she figures out that the only way that she can save him, get him out, because prison for them is pretty much you're going to die at some point like you're gonna you're gonna see the firing squad at some point especially the crimes that you've been committed against right there's no program there's no like like rehab there's no probation here she goes to her father and she begs her dad can you please get him like get him released he's a friend of mine he's a friend of mine he needs to be released you know i at first reading that part and her anxiety i guess some people will say she was really courageous i wasn't as convinced at let me say this. At the beginning, when she was nervous about talking to her dad, how is her dad going to take this? How is he going to respond? I don't know. Because her dad's already as stressed as it is of what's happening in mm-hmm. the country. And she, you know, she's looking out for Pablo. She just wants to save him, pretty much. At first, I felt like, okay, I feel your nervousness. Mm-hmm. I feel your red flags. What's going to happen? But when the dad responded the way he did, she kind of talked back to him a little bit. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a little bit unrealistic. I felt like it was something that the author wanted us readers to root so much for her. She wrote it in a way that Lisa would never say, knowing her character at this point. But Lisa fought back, like argued back with her dad or she kind of challenged him a little bit. Which I felt like, yay, she's growing up, she's being a strong woman. But it just didn't feel... Like, it flowed that well. Mm. It was it was more... He kind of backed down kind of easily, I thought. Yeah, yeah, maybe that was it. Or maybe, you know, he has four daughters. Mm-hmm. He already lost a son, so maybe he has a little soft spot. It didn't seem that way. Mm-hmm. way he, he, is, see, I, it, he did seem to give it up fairly quickly. I thought he was going to smack her across the face, honestly. Something. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. I was, like, I, was I was surprised she talked back. I felt like the author wanted her to talk back just so she's like a speaker for us as mm-hmm. a reader, you know? Yeah. Like, the readers want to know, what if she said this? When I think, truly, the character wouldn't have said that. Mm-hmm. But that's just me really nitpicking, you guys. I did enjoy the majority of this book. I, don't, I think it's, she found, like, for the first time in her life, she's been such a guilt. What is it, a, a bird in a gilded cage? Like, bird in yeah, a cage? Yeah, yeah. She needed something to root for, something to... Perhaps. And, well, this is the man she loves. So, this is the man you know? she loves after she met him at that party. She was in love with him. <laughs> One thing, a heavy theme in this book is everybody falls in love in, like, a week. In this book. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in 1958, I'm like, yeah, I get it. You know, it's, it's that time. But, <laughs> like, nowadays, I'm like, mm, uh, let me think about my career. like a weekend in, in the room, and then you kind of get over it. That's what I feel like. <laughs> so she talks to her father to help get him out of prison. He says, I'll do what I can, sort of thing. Right. But he says, 
would I do this? And if this happens, you want to never see this man ever again. I don't want you anywhere near him. You're not allowed. You have to make me that promise before I do anything. And she's like, of course, I promise. She's not going to follow that promise. The minute. Come I was on. Like, come on. The minute yeah. I read that. Dad, come on. I think dad just wanted to do that to try to save his. And I think also her father a little bit too. Like his position is slowly dwindling. Like, right. you, like you said, he's the patriarch. He's the main man of this family. But you'll certainly start to see that twist where her mom starts to become mm-hmm. the patriarch. It's that turn where it's suddenly he's kind of taking the backseat. Her mom's starting to take it. And the girls are starting to take it. They're like, we got to do something. And he's just... And I think it's just that fall from his pedestal, from his position. Right. He just doesn't know what to do with himself, honestly. He gets Pablo out of prison, and I think he writes her a letter and says, hey, I want to meet you. Can you please meet me? And she's like, of course. So she's going to meet him on the rough side of town where he's staying, like, at a friend's house. And, you know, so she goes to his house. You know, they have tea. They talk about their lives. They say goodbye. Oh, no, no, no. That's not what happens, people. <laughs> of course not. Of course not. She goes to the house, and they get it on. That's what they do. <laughs> And this is the first time she's ever, I mean, hell, right. I think the first kiss with him was probably her first kiss ever, I want to say, right. probably. Yeah. So they do the hippity-dippity. And I thought it was really cute how the author wrote it, like, they were naked and she was giggling that they were naked together because she couldn't <laughs> believe that they were naked. She was naked to, next to a man. But they, they, she did it romantically, Yeah, though. she. It, it was it a nice a, romantic read. It, it was very read. flowery, very blossomy. Right. Very much like uh, they were making out and then it, like, eclipsed to the sun and then you come back and they're naked and looking at each other. <laughs> it's one of those moments. That's how sex is done in this book. Pretty much. It's very PG-13. And they want to have a future together. Like, he wants, they want to be together right. forever. They part, and he's like, I'll get with you when I get with you kind of a thing. You know, he's like, I'll, I'll holler at you when I holler at you. And she's like, <laughs> of course. You know, she's waiting for that letter. So this is how we, Kenny and I, this is how we tell this story, It's very guys. much, it's, it's written It's written beautifully. <laughs> this is how we take it. We take it and we butcher it for the beauty that it's not. But anyways, they part, and there is a really big battle that happens around this time that's the battle of santa clara and that's the one it was fought on a train track how they talk about it. it's in that train track it was a very pivotal moment like that's the battle that finally i think overthrew bautista at that point like that was mm-hmm. it they were done the rebels wanted it more and when that battle happens it like you can already like overnight see the turmoil that happened in the city like all of a sudden there was looting there was fighting there was like nobody was really safe in the street like it was people are leaving people are dying like they're rounding up the rich folk in town and, you know, holding them in prison for no reason. You know, that's that's when that whole thing is going on. So she's waiting. She's waiting desperately to hear from Pablo. And she believes that he was there. Like, she's like, I'm pretty sure he was there. Like, I know he was there. Something happened to him. I just, she just, she's all over herself. It's been a couple months now at this point. And she's starting to feel anxious, a little nauseous, a little edgy. You guys know, you know, when you get that feeling of losing your loved one, you certainly start to feel the same pains that you would if you were, you know, expecting maybe. Pregnant. The storyline is just so, <laughs> so basic and typical to me, but it's written nicely, though. <laughs> it's beautiful. So Elisa is expecting. She's expecting Pablo's baby. So she doesn't tell anybody. The only person who knows is Magda, the it's nanny. Magda, the nanny. Because she yeah. kind of takes care of her. Having a pregnancy at any any time is stressful and can take a toll on your body but i can imagine everything that's going around you is i was really i'm so surprised that she actually that it went, went through, through yeah them. i was really surprised i thought at some point you know something was gonna happen because of what's going they're on pretty religious too though no i don't think she was gonna get rid of it i thought it was gonna yeah she was gonna I have see. a miscarriage you know through, gotcha. through all the stress so guillermo is a friend of a friend of a friend who's also in the in the regime the revolution 
And he actually comes to Elisa to give her the news. One thing Pablo always told Elisa, he's like, if anything ever happens to me, I'll send word of what happened to me. I'll right. tell Guillermo somebody will and come. somebody will come to you. So she sees Guillermo and she's automatically like, oh. and he tells her, he gives her the news that Pablo died in the battle. Yes. And it takes a toll on her to no end because the love of her life is gone. Right. And she's pregnant. And she's pregnant with his baby at this right. period of time. With this, because of the regime doing, they're taking a lot of the rich families and displacing them for their wealth. Their their father, actually, the Perez dad, actually gets imprisoned. Elisa has lost the love of her life, and now she's sitting on the fact of losing their father. And in, in my head, when I was reading this part, when they were talking about the dad's gone, what are we going to do? What if he never comes back? How are we going to support ourselves? What are we going to do? Like, you can imagine at this point in time, now we as women, we have options, we have careers, we have things we don't have to necessarily think about those facts but can you imagine back in the day when you had to deal with five kids and you're a woman what are you going to do right you know you can see that that sense of desperation that sense of worry anxiety all that running through that family and it's all women because Alejandro is in the he's in the battles in the revolution like that that was that was rough that was a rough read when they were talking about especially about the death of Pablo but also just them worried about their dad like when he's gonna come home well at that point right that point it's your it's your family dynamic it's Mm -hmm. your family survival Mm -hmm. so no matter what type of family you are rich poor whatnot, you can feel that it's a family yeah you know and you kinda connect to what if that was my family and I don't know about you, but I feel like most people have gone through a really hardship within the family, mm-hmm. whatever the issue is. So you kind of can relate a little bit. Their family was brought down to feel what everyone else was feeling, that right. sense of worry and things. Yeah, that was a rough part of the book, mm-hmm. but it was still, I think it was written well, mm-hmm. how how the author paints the, oh, yeah. it like was, the atmosphere of it mm-hmm. all. Her father's imprisoned, and he's actually let out like they get word that he's actually going to be let out of prison we don't know at this point we don't know how or why he was let out of prison right. but he at was this let, point in the book we yeah. don't know why or how but he was let out of prison he was brought back of course he's beat up and bloodied and they're like daddy papa like what are we going to do so now they're trying to decide if they want to leave or if they want to stay elisa's battling with should i tell them that i'm pregnant should i not tell them because at this point it's like family survival mm-hmm. you know There's not a- only do they need to figure out what to do within their family because there's a good amount of people, but they're being targeted big mm-hmm. time. So definitely and survival mode. A lot of the other families have already left or are planning on leaving. So they're like, right. do we, should we go? Should we stay? Like they're trying to contemplate that ultimate decision. Like if we go to America, if we go wherever we go, it's not going to be the same how we had it here. So this whole time we've been wondering like, where's Alejandro? Right. Where's Alejandro? I think that's also why they didn't want to leave because they didn't know what happened to Alejandro. Like, I don't think they wanted to leave. And I think that's why they really were like waiting around to maybe see if he came around or something. I always felt like there was something holding them there. And I think that's the reason why. Even though they disowned him, even though the dad said all these things, I think still in the, that's still your son. Right. Ultimately, no matter what goes on, what happened. The talk about it's going to make me cry. Made me cry when I read it. They set up this scene and it's the Perez family's in the house and Beatriz. They hear like a car driving up. So everybody kind of goes up to see like who's this car driving up to our house. And you can hear like the gardeners and everything yelling like, hey, someone's here. Someone's here. And Beatriz goes out first and she runs out to see what's going on. Elisa kind of runs after her and she comes over to Beatriz holding someone. She's holding someone in her arms and she's crying. 
and Elisa comes up and she's like, what's going on? And she can, and she doesn't say that she automatically sees it because she doesn't look at it completely. I think she looks at it for like a split second, but she doesn't stare. And it's her brother. It's Alejandro. Alejandro. Yeah. It's Alejandro. And Alejandro is dead. Right, it's his dead body. He's his dead body. Whoever killed him pretty much drove up to their house and dumped his body in front of his family's house. So Beatriz is beside herself. Elisa's trying to keep it together. And they don't want to show it to their parents. They don't want to show Alejandro in the state that he's in to their parents. Nor the little sister. Nor Maria. Like, they want to keep that innocence with them. they like, we can't, right. we can't do this to them. Whenever that's found out that Alejandro did die, I think that was the last... And I think that was it. Like, at, at that point, they that's when they go. were like, we got to go. Like, and we then can't. it kind of goes back to the very beginning to where they were at the airport. Mm-hmm. They leave, and it kind of does a full circle of that's where it ends. Like, that's what happened. These are all the events that happened. And now they're on the plane, and they're going to go to the States. Right. And you learn that they do go to the States. They do go to Miami, and they defect. The dad kind of rebuilt the... He rebuilt. He did. He rebuilt. He didn't have sons, so he was able to give it to Marisol's dad. Right. They gave it to him, and he ran it, and that's why they were able to have money because they're still rich. They're Marisol, still rich. Marisol, the modern time girl, mm-hmm. the dad, the which is Elisa's son. Uh huh. Elisa's son. Grandpa had lands in America. He had like a pla- I think he had like some land already here. So he's like, let's just go to Miami. Let's go to Florida. We'll get mm-hmm. there. That's so we can rebuild. He goes, we won't ever be there again, but we'll rebuild. Well, I think we kind of. Talked about Elisa's timeline, like mm-hmm. her story mm-hmm. and everything she went through. Mm-hmm. So it's her pretty much growing up and falling in love. And then like in the tragedy. span of like months. Like I think it was right. like three, four months. And like a tragedy a of Pablo's death, this and that. And I then her whole family having to uproot. Before I keep going, there's this little part of the book that I really liked about Alejandro. Mm. Well, about what they talk about Alejandro. Because Caddy and I are both younger sister of firstborn son firstborn son so we're very we both it's both of us we're both the little sister we both it's only us and our brother and he's the older brother that acts like the younger brother (laughs) you know and especially he's a firstborn son in an ethnic family so that's part of book i just like the little phrase that says having a brother can be a curse and a blessing (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is really interesting. And especially with this family dynamic, you know, there are four girls yeah. and then the brother. He's the pride of that family. Whether he was firstborn or not, he is the pride of that family. And I just think that, you know, having a brother can be a curse and a blessing. I think it was yeah. it was an awesome mm-hmm. part of the book. We felt it. Right. <laughs> we felt so, it. <laughs> like I said earlier, that kind of con- concludes who Elisa is. Mm-hmm. So now we go back to Marisol, the granddaughter who's trying to figure out what to do with her ashes her budding romance with her Luis. budding romance with the, with the history professor like conveniently so she's decided that okay to read the letter that were in, that was hidden in a box that Anna never touched but sure uh, Marisol finds out about Pablo mm-hmm. and she wants to know what happened to Pablo mm-hmm. she feels like Pablo is the answer to where she should put her grandmother Right, because, I mean, they were in love, things like that. Okay. So she decides to talk to Magda, the nanny. Magda, right? yes. So, But they had to do a little drive mm-hmm. to get to where Magda is, in which throughout that whole thing, you get to learn a little bit about modern Cuba. You know, yeah. like, you still have to be very careful who you mm-hmm. talk to. And since she's she came from the Perez family bloodline who had fled Cuba, She's kind of flagged, you know, mm-hmm. we find out. And of course, they do the deed 
Mm-hmm. Two, do we need to talk about that? I don't think so. They but. go, okay, so <laughs> I think I do it justice. All right, so All right. they go to like a resort. <laughs> she, because this whole time she thought he was married because Christina introduces herself as his wife. Right. Come to find out that's his ex wife. And she's like, oh, well, hey, well, hey, then. then. <laughs> well, then that bloom is off that rose. <laughs> so they get to a resort, they sleep together, they're in love. It's it's very much but mirrors, <laughs> it very much mirrors her, her grandmother, grandmother and published relationship, which I can get where that's cliche. I get it. I get that yeah. part. I get it. So they sleep together. Now they're super in love and, he, and she's like trying to figure out, she's like, you don't do this on vacation, <laughs> you know? And he's like, he doesn't even know what to do with himself. He's like, uh, I'm in love with this American woman, you know, that's going to leave me in like Well, at a one few days. point, I think she's like, what's going to really happen? Like, let's, let's be realistic And he's here. like, why don't we just enjoy the time that we have mm-hmm. Which means, right girl, it's going to end here. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. take your ass back in that plane <laughs> to America. And then, and then this book turns, man. <laughs> if I, there was not enough... Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. like all right, we went through we went through the tragedy of Pablo's death and the tragedy of Alejandro oh, like, and all this. Pablo died. Yes, I was like, okay, freaking Alejandro though. That that like got me. That like, was oh, sad. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. So okay, so then suddenly we're back to Marisol and Louis. Mm-hmm. So they go and talk to Magda, the nanny, and Magda just kind of tells about the girls, about the family, what it went through. And Marisol's like, oh, okay, cool, fine, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then somehow Magda <laughs> let it drop. Well, because she asked who Pablo was, and that's Magda right. like tell Clara's up, and she I think she let it slip though. She did because she was kind of like, mm-hmm. kind of like, and then and then I wonder what happened to the baby, and then Marisol's like, what baby? <laughs> what? That's when you drop your book, you're like, oh shit, what page was I on? <laughs> baby, yeah. I mean, we knew that Lisa was, was pregnant, pregnant. Mm-hmm. but but we kind of didn't know until anyway. Anyway, I'm yeah, not, we knew about that. the baby, but we were like, oh, right, because we don't know. We didn't know the life of that baby. We and don't then know. that's when Marisol, like her world, turned upside down too. She's like, wait a minute, I found out that that's my grandpa, the grandpa that I knew growing up wasn't my real grandpa. And you got that revolutionary blood running through your veins. <laughs> and then suddenly. Like they leave Magda, they to leave say Magda, goodbye and, and she's, she's like shooketh that. Suddenly, Louis gets kidnapped, he gets pretty much kidnapped, yeah. And then she too gets kidnapped, and I'm just well, like, what is happening? They preluded that Louis talks about how he's been blogging about the atrocities That's that true. happen in Cuba, and he has to be very careful. and he has to be very careful. But then the mix of because she's being flagged. The mix of her being an American journalist and coming from that bloodline, and him being the blogger. That's the whole, like... Right. They were afraid he would influence students mm-hmm. being a because history professor. professor. So they kind of took him, mm-hmm. you know, and she's so worried. And then suddenly she gets kidnapped. She gets kidnapped, too. She And it's legit, guys. Like, they take this guy and, like, throw him in the backseat of a car and then drive off. And you're like, what the hell? Then, yeah. Okay, here comes another car and she takes gets her. Ta- Wait, which I thought it was kind of weird because... I was like, when did this become a John Clancy book? Like, when did that <laughs> happen in the middle of this shit? That's what I thought. I was like... Whoa, but then for two seconds, I was like, wait, we're in a modern time, right? Right. Like I was thinking that. 2017. Because like, at this point, this is so much action at this point, because the only action has been when they were like doing it. So I'm like, I don't understand. Like, <laughs> it just went up like 20 because everything's been kind of like, it's been easy breezy, you know, for the most part. Right. I was like, well, damn. All right, for a while, we, you know, throw the book. It's talking about the revolution. But then Cuban is beautiful and the people are. People have a lot of pride, and then suddenly he gets kidnapped, she gets kidnapped. What? So then she, you know, we get we get cut to where 
This guy comes in. She's sitting in like a cell, like a room, yeah. like a like a like almost a, like an interrogation room interrogation at a police room, station. Like at a police station, yes. And they even talked about how they took the bag off her head, and she yeah, was trying to figure out where she was. But yeah. quite when you find out later why she was taken, mm-hmm. you're just like, then why? Why did they put a bag on top of her head? I thought that was kind of and maybe ridiculous. that just goes like the bag over the head. <laughs> I guess. They, they well, you put, think the worst. They turn then, the AC off for a little bit. They're setting a, a mood. They're setting a scene. I don't even know how to get to this part in a way that without me sounding so ridiculous. Do you want me to say it? So, yeah, please do. Because you know my view of this part. All right. So Marisol's sitting in the interrogation room. And this older Cuban gentleman comes in. And, you know, he's sharply dressed. He looks like an official. He looks like a government official the way that he's dressed. She can't help but notice, like, his face. She's like, I've seen that face before. Like, those characteristics are really familiar to me. She's really curious about him, and he kind of speaks to her. And she's like, huh. And she's kind of looking at him. Lights go dim a little bit, I guess. And <laughs> she's like, holy shit balls! You look like my daddy. And we come to find out that, that the gentleman sitting across from her who's questioning her, who brought her here, by the way, the whole reason is her grandfather who pablo pablo who was supposed to have died in 1958 right this is pablo no patty <laughs> i was like are you freaking serious it's a nice turn of the story yeah it is a one of the shock value mm-hmm. in a book but mm-hmm. i was like how old is this man <laughs> like is he in the 90s like what the it didn't make sense to me because elisa was 19 he <laughs> was 30 funny. years old in 1958 yeah okay so now we're in 2017 how old is this man <laughs> who's like sashaying into this room and then he's like i've been watching you i've been trying to protect you this whole time since you've gotten to havana he's like i know your last name and i I've know who fu- you are i, know who I you are. clicked to me who you are and i know it even more because you're wearing your grandmother's ring that i oh, gave she her know- he noticed the ring because she was sitting on her finger he gave her a a, a promise ring. Yeah, yeah. he had given Elisa the ring. He had given ring. Elisa that promise ring, and so he saw it on her, and he knew who she was. Eventually. And I'm just like, okay. This, this that's once- where it got really soap opera. I was like, oh, then here comes long-lost dead grandpa. <laughs> but but then again, it's like, okay, this was a little dramatic, really. I you guys are just going to kidnap her? I thought it was Guillermo, like that, you know, that family friend from long ago that told mm-hmm. her. I thought that's who that was. When I first read I was like, oh my God, it's probably Guillermo. He's like coming to help her. To me, it doesn't matter if it was Pablo or Guillermo. How old are these people <laughs> Well, Guillermo was probably close to her age since they went to his party. You know what I mean? Anyway. That's what I thought. Okay, I'm trying to find a party. <laughs> I literally was like, oh my God, I can't believe it's Pablo. And then two seconds later, how old is he? <laughs> To be able to do this. I mean, hold, let's, let's crunch some numbers here, all right? <laughs> so what is he? He was, he was 30 in 1958. <laughs> you would think I would be like, you know okay, what? Okay, he was born in 1928, all right? Come on. I can't, I'm laughing so hard, I can't even tell. He would have been 89. <laughs> okay, all right, that's fine. Okay, all but right, He really. would have been 89. Would have been, in 2017, he would have been 89. Anyway. And the fact that he was just strutting in like it was nothing, I was like, well, damn. <laughs> what's in that Cuban water? <laughs> Jesus. You have to keep going with this book because at that point I was like, ah. <laughs> All right. So grandpa, you know, starts to talk to her and tell her all these things of what happened. So we kind of get fast forward. We kind of get rewind back to 1958. 
his friends thought that he was dying because he had gone to a specific hospital and he was He did get shot. He he did get shot. He was very much wounded, like on the brink of death. Yeah. And he got transferred to a specific hospital that didn't have that wasn't around them. So everyone since he wasn't accounted for at that time, they thought that he was dead. Right. They counted him among the dead of that battle. So that's why Guillermo told Elisa that he was dead. All right. So he managed to patch himself up, get himself together by his own force of will. And he managed to get back into the city and he was trying to follow Elise. And so he found out what Guillermo said and he was trying to find Elisa to tell her like, hey, come on, let's let's be a family because he doesn't know about her pregnancy. I don't think not yet. He doesn't know about it. So when he goes back to the to the city to look for her, he finds out that her dad's actually in jail. And when he does that, he goes to get his get the dad released. So Pablo is the reason Elisa's father got released from prison in the first place because we're always like, how the hell did he get released? It's like, this isn't normal. I mean, that part to me was fun to read. Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of clicked. Mm-hmm. But I also still felt like it was so convenient. You know? <laughs> Just love the story for what it is. All right, so <laughs> so Pablo gets Grandpa out of jail. Grandpa's like, you know, he's like, and he gives Grandpa the letter, be like, can you please give this to Elisa? Please. That's, I mean, you owe me that much, damn dude. You know, I pretty much saved you from death. You can at least give your daughter this letter. So grandpa doesn't give Elisa the letter. So Elisa keeps on believing that Pablo is dead. So once Pablo can finally get back into the city, by the time he goes back to her house, you know, it's been a period of time. They're gone. They're gone. They've gone to America. So he did go to America at some point to look for Elisa. Like, he did all the stuff. He knew she was in Florida. He knew she was in Florida. And when he went to go find her, you know, a couple years later... He finds out that she's happily married, that she's living her best life. It's such like a romance uh, movie. He really did love her. And she was happily married, living her life, and he just realized that he couldn't couldn't destroy her happiness. Like It wasn't let her be, pretty much. The girl's been through enough at this point. So he comes back home, he gets remarried, and he lives his... He kind of built his life. Built his life back in Cuba, and now he is a government official. He is the one that tells Marisol that Luis is in, like, big trouble. Right. Like, he's in some deep shit. Can you pull some strings? Can you pull some strings? And Grandpa's like, I will try my best. So they have a talk. They walk on the Malicom, this little beachy area, where at one point in life that... That's where where Elisa and Pablo had their date. That's where they had their main date where they had that long talk and they fell in love kind of a thing. So she brings the mother, grandmother's ashes and she realized like this is the spot that grandma would want to be put. So she actually does release the ashes. Because the longest time I was like, she ever going to release those ashes? She goes back to the house and that's where she kind of has a talk. It's where she's like, and it's that one, again, it's that moment of like stillness of them like just waiting around, again, mirroring her grandmother's experience of like, waiting around to hear where if my if my family member is going to come home or are they dead how long is it going to take is it hours weeks months years who knows and she's like and i have to go back home grandpa knocks on the you know so they run out to be like who's here and it's grandpa 89 year old grandpa <laughs> carrying louise on his arm who was battered and bloodied because he released him from jail grandpa brings him in they you know get him together they're like you know crying hugging what's going on what's what are you doing and grandpa tells them, well, I got him out on a clerical error. He was released when he shouldn't have been released. And he goes like, we need to think of a plan. He needs to get out of this country in the next like two days or right. he is we dead. We gotta go. And this family is dead. If he leaves, there's no reason to bother the family. Right. Because they have nothing to do with He's it. He's a threat. He's the threat. And it's kind of weird because like now Marisol's put at the 
position where she has to take care of him. She has to like be the one to like, I have to do this with him. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Like without me, this kid is not going to make it. He's not going to live. Right. You know, and of course, Luis is proud. He doesn't want to take any help from Marisol. He'll take what he can because he's a proud Cuban. But at the same time, she's like, don't be stupid. This is your life you're gambling with. This country has never given you anything. You need to, what do you need it for? So grandpa thinks of a plan. He's like, all right, this is the plan. He has like schematics, (laughs) a blueprint, I guess, you know, because he's been, during his thing of drinking and smoking cigars, he thought of this magical plan. Of course. And he's like, all right, listen, check it. You're going to get a flight to Antigua. Okay. Okay. And when you're in Antigua, your family needs to charter you a plane because they got charter plane money, y'all. Charter you a plane for here to pick you up and take you back to Miami. Once you're in Miami, you're in the clear. You need to get lawyers. You need to get everything. You'll be fine once you get to America. They can't touch you when you're there. But at the same time, I'm going to acknowledge, he goes, I'm going to throw out any knowledge of this plan and you are on your own because I cannot help you anymore. My, My powers only can do so much. If you get caught with him, you both will go to jail right. for like life. Or you both will go to jail or possibly die at this point. This is a big decision. If you're ready to do it, then you follow my plan. If not, you guys go your separate ways pretty much. Of course, it's that turn of should I do it? Because if I love because I love him, because I've only met him a week. I love him and I'm <laughs> gonna take him to America with me. The land of the you know, the land of the free and the home of the whopper. Am I gonna take him home with me? Or am I going to risk going to jail for the rest of my life over this man I've only met a week ago? You know, and I, and I think it's really nice at some point, Luis, ask her, are you really truly doing this because you love me? Or are you doing this because you feel obligated at this point right, to do this because she me? talks about if it wasn't for me, you may not have gotten in trouble. picked up. Yes, you had your blog, mm-hmm. but you were also careful yeah. about your blog. But now that... You have said blog, and then he's like, her and the press blood came out. Like it's marrying the two together. Mm-hmm. Now you're a bigger threat. So. Like, do does am I? You know, I do this out of purely obligation or guilt, right? Pretty much. But um, that there's also the part that you like where she talks to Caridad. She talks to Christina. Oh yeah, they have those real human moments with Which those is two. His mom and, and his, his ex wife. Yeah, like they talk about leaving and defecting in a realistic matter. Like the mother drops all her differences and, you know, her prejudice aside. And she's like, just take care of my son, save my son. Cause ultimately I'm a mother and you need to do this. Christina is a whole nother story. We find out her backstory and it's tragic and she's realistic. You know, she's like, you do you boo. I don't know if he's going to love you, you know, which is fair, you know, and she kept it real. She kept it truthful about how these characters would be. Right, know she's, that, she was hesitant about that part, but yeah. she also understands. Like, but let's let's get him to where he can live. Mm-hmm. Whether or not you guys fall in love, that's a different. That's a whole different story. Plane, yeah. yeah. But at least get to this point. So we go further along, and they do decide they're going to leave together. This is going to be his last moment being in Cuba. She's going to take him with her, pretty much. In this chapter, again, it mirrors the chapter of Grandma at the very beginning of the story. That oh, yeah. being in the airport, being scared. Sweat dripping down your back, your anxiety. People wanted to talk to you, like leave me alone. And it's just, it's a whole like rumble, like a like a like a snowball effect of emotions that just keeps going and keeps going until finally it just burst. So we know that she gets on the plane. She takes Luis. They go to Antigua. Her family manages to get the plane from Antigua to Miami. They get to Miami. They go to the airport. She has her car at the airport in the garage. She and I love that she gets in the car with Luis in her own car in Miami, and she just bursts into tears. 
that she could finally have that sense that oh i can imagine that that was written well yeah it was beautifully written it's an overflow of emotions that once your body doesn't really know what to do so it's going to get it out any way possible and it's just tears it's just like tears of relief exhaustion anxiety all of it just flowing out of her they decide to have a life here in america they get lawyers together immigration everything to get together to keep louise here she does write about how you know it goes a couple months later and they write about how like their domestic life is like they're figuring out things together and I like it's that not part. all just yeah. like oh they immediately they're making love again or something realistic things like he likes kind of the same music i like cool he's cooking dinner awesome, awesome. like it's very domestic right how it is and and, it, and at first when i first read it, i was like oh god this is such a stupid ending i hate it but now that i'm talking about it i talked about it with you i get it like Okay, it's a sense of normality. It's now a sense it's of becoming it's reality. realistic. Yeah. yeah, it's realistic. And I love that last part of her talking with, oh, it's my favorite, favorite moment of the whole book, is she goes to talk with her great aunt Patrice, you know, and Patrice, Beatrice lives in like this big, 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 beautiful mansion. She's older now, still fabulous. And they have like a really good conversation. And the aunt's like, kind of looks her up and down. She's like, you're in love? What happened? <laughs> and she's like, well, I found a man. I brought him over. And she's like, you brought a man home? She's like, you buy a hat that doesn't that only looks good on you on vacation home from vacation. You don't bring home a man. <laughs> you know, because she's, you know, jaded and in love about love and things. But she's like, she's like, you know, you're a good judge of character. If you are in love, then you, then you are in love. If you say you are, then you are. And I can see it in you that you are in love. So more power to you kind of a thing. That's nice. And I thought yeah. that was a really sweet conversation that they had. Her side of the story ends with her and Louise kind of like sharing. They're, they're toasting, talking about like, when will we ever be, be able to go back, see your family, be in Havana again. And they do the toast of next year in Havana. Right. Which is pretty much like a... Like what, a common phrase. A common phrase. Like hopeful that next year it'll be different. There'll be right. we'll be able to be together again as a family. My grandmother wasn't able to do it. Maybe I can do it. Kind of a thing. It was a nice ending. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> what they did, they did this to me, and it threw me off. At the very end, they had like a little baby chapter, and it was 1970 Miami. Oh, that's and it's right. actually <laughs> the Elisa chapter. It's the last bit of Elisa. When you thought you ha- you were gone, she wasn't. So, and I don't, I don't know necessarily if it was needed, but I thought it was nice. Right. Like it shows she's in America. She's with her closure to the book. She's in America. She's with her. With her. It's kind of sad too. So she's with her family, her husband, son, and they're at the beach. They're having a beach day, and it's beautiful, sunny. They're living their best life. They're, They're driving a car, all these things, and she's on the beach and she's looking out, and she's at in Key West, which is like that, you know, southernmost tip. Mm-hmm. And she talks about that 90 miles from here is my home, my land. And she says it herself, kind of like a next year in Havana. And she's like, maybe I can go back. Right. And she says, ojalá, which is Spanish for hopefully. And that's how it ends, that hopefully I can see it again. Which we right. all know, she wasn't necessarily able to see it in life. She'll always be there in death. Right. Of. And I think the book was named perfectly. Yeah. Calling it next year in Havana. Mm-hmm. Like you really... I get it now, yeah. Yeah, you really feel the... The hopefulness from people, from the citizens of Cuba, and what they've gone through, from this family, from whoever. it It's a nice read when it comes to mm-hmm. these historical fictions. And there's also hopefulness of people who defected that are here in the States that one day they right. can go back home, that they can be Right. Home. I mean, we're a land of immigrants mm-hmm. as far as everybody came from somewhere and... Mm-hmm. 
and everybody had roots from somewhere and we build our roots here mm -hmm. as well. So it's nice to read something like this mm -hmm. as a family like this. So, yeah. but overall, this was a really, it was a good book about Cuba. It was a good book about how it affected a lot of, a lot of people. It just some of the storyline, I'm just like, uh, She couldn't get down with the soap right. opera storylines. I mean, a little bit of I it. I like soap opera storylines usually, but I don't know what it is about this one. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm somewhat bought into I was, it. I mean, then falling in love after a week, I was like, eh. I believed it with Elisa. With Mighty Soul, I didn't believe it as much. Right. I think it's just because modern times, like, really, y'all. But back in the day, I get it. Like, everybody got married in, like, three months and had, like, ten right. babies. I get it. You know? Well, I don't know. At, at first, with Marisol being attracted to, I get the Louise, attraction, but being yeah. in love after like a and few just days, just really enjoy each other's company. Yeah. But when they're like, "I love you," and all the girls come down. Oh, okay, here we go. But I honestly thought, like, I don't, I don't want to leave Luis in Cuba. But it, I think it would have been more realistic for me, honestly. I'll tell you, yeah, that's how I saw it. I think like her leaving and him being like, "I'll figure it out," kind of a thing. I not that you know. Ultimately, I know what would have happened, but I think. That's more realistic to me than right. them leaving well, I, and building a life. I don't know. It just seem. It doesn't seem. I don't know. Well, I think more that the author wrote that part. It was more about Pablo being the grandfather, helping mm. helping Marisol, and yeah. how can he but, help? This is the only way he can help. But Grandpa Pablo being alive, that was. I was like, oh, are you kidding me? I was like. <laughs> Wow, that's... You know, I, I went yeah. back and forth. I figured people would react with him being alive. Like, mm -hmm. like, oh my God, that's such a huge twist. It was amazing. Like, you're, you're rooting for these characters. And then there's on our side who were, were like, seriously, how <laughs> old is this man? How old and is how, he? What? This whole time? Anyway. I but mean, okay. <laughs> I was more... The biggest one for me is her being pregnant. Because oh, I yeah. was like, well, I, oh. I knew that was going to happen. Yeah, we knew. Like, when she I went to that, that house was... to get down, we knew she was going to be pregnant. She was going to be You had me up until Grandpa being alive. That but, I would have liked it better if it had been, like, Guillermo, like, a family friend helping them. That would have yeah. been more realistic to me than my dead-ass grandfather just coming back to life. Now I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> what I wanted to read more was when Elisa was pregnant <clears throat> and they're trying to figure out what's going on. And they don't even And they don't even talk about her coming out to the parents. Yeah, that's the part I was going to talk yeah, about. Yeah. I really wanted to see, like, the mother's reaction. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to see the relationship between the mother and maybe Elisa because motherly intuitions. Mm -hmm. She, maybe because she's really distracted with what's going on mm -hmm. politically, that her daughter is, you know, moodier or belly growing. I, 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 mm -hmm. I get it. You have four daughters, so mm -hmm. you can't. Put all your focus They're all on like one. That, yeah. But I wanted to see some sort of relationship from the mom, mm -hmm. especially when the dad was in jail in prison, <clears throat> to where the mom now has to be like the stronger one, you know, the stronger one for her daughters. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of thinking that, like, whenever they were going through all that turmoil of dad not being there, like they were so uncertain about their future. I'm like, this is why we need jobs. This is why we can't be stuck in these situations. This is why it's modernized. This is right. why because of these situations us not downing like like stay at home moms or anything like right. that's a job on its own that's a job that i could never do don't get me wrong <laughs> that's a full time and a half job that doesn't pay you overtime like no thing like that's just not for me you're a stronger woman for it but well a lot of these things that we wish we would know more maybe it'll be in one of the other books since it's a four-part series you know that's so. what i'm thinking because i think that last one in 1933 i think that's their mom 
That would be interesting to I think read. that's their mom. Talk, like, they're talking about their mother. But the fact that it's a long line, is so many women in that house. <laughs> I and, and you know what? The brothers are a blessing in that fact. Because I'm so glad, and you are too, that we never had sisters growing up. Because, <laughs> like, besides you and, like, one other friend, that's, like, all the females, like, I really have in my life. And I'm just like, that's all I need. <laughs> that's a, that's like, enough. <laughs> like, I have so many cousins and friends. I have so many sisters. And it's always just drama and just petty all the time. And so, like, if me and my brother have an issue, we usually argue and fight about it. Then we're cool, like, five minutes later. You know? <laughs> and you're like that, too. You have to admit, you're like that, too. And you're oh, glad yeah. you didn't have sisters. I'm glad I didn't have sisters growing up. Having to deal with another me, <sighs> I would I would just go crazy. So that was our discussion for Next Year in Havana mm-hmm. by Chanel Clayton. We hope that you enjoy the book as well. Mm-hmm. We do have a virtual book club where we'll do a little, little meet- um, on our Facebook group. Yeah. So please join us if you guys... Talk about it, listen to us, let us know what you yeah. think. Maybe you have a, a different perception of it like yeah. than we do. Maybe you really enjoy Daddy Pablo Daddy, coming back. Gra- Grandpa Pablo. Grandpa Grandpa Pappy. Dang it. <laughs> Grandpa Pappy. Grandpa Pop. Honestly, if he would have said he like he scuttled it on a cane or something, I would have been like, okay, that makes more sense. But th- she talked about him like he's goddamn, he's like like James, he's like James Bond. Bond. Oh my god! I just like thank you. <laughs> she talked about it like he's goddamn James Bond coming through. She's like his gray hair. I'm like, oh okay. I mean, I thought it was that's why I thought it was a family friend or something. Maybe it's like one of their sons, but no, it's actual 89 year old Grandpappy Pablo. I'm like, no, he ain't moving that fast. I promise you. <laughs> So our next episode is a shout out, even though I promised one last week, but I got my weeks messed up. Mm. But that this is it for Next in Havana. Yep. So our next book is a book that we decided to pick together because the movie is coming out. The movie's coming out in July. And so we've been actually we've been sitting on this book for a minute. And we're not one of those we only like read the book to see the movie type of people. We're not like that, I promise you. We're not doing it. It's just, it kind of happened coincidentally. Right. And we kind of wanted to tie it in where we saw it. And we kind of wanted to do like we saw it and now let's talk about it sort of situation. We mm-hmm. kind of wanted to do something, you know, more interactive, I guess. So the book is, it is Where the Crawdads Sing by Delia Owens. We are going to do Man, it, guys. It's probably the, the most popular it's, book. It's the, yeah, for sure. I see it everywhere. You've seen it everywhere. It's a major motion picture coming out. Um, I believe Reese Witherspoon had a hand in that. I'm right. sure. She's definitely the green lighter for the movie. I think she's like a producer of some sort. So we're going to read Where the Crawdads Sing in June, for which is this July. month, for the July discussion because of the movie coming out. But that's it for today. Thank you for stopping by. We have our Instagram for the podcast. There's a little bit of information about us, meaning our email address or whatnot, if you guys want to. Holler at us. Holler. But that's it. You have a wonderful night. Bye. Bye. This was going to be books, cats, and trampoline. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I have no coordination. I don't bounce. I just flop. I just thought the cats would be on the trampoline. (laughs) (laughs) It would be like, it would be totally like, like they're stepping on like, on like on tape. Like they just don't know what to do. Bye.